This week on Access Louisville, we're going to talk about restaurants and other businesses across Kentucky and Indiana opening before the end of May. And that's in spite of the fact that neither state is hitting the federal benchmarks for opening. It's uh, a lot to swallow. Stay tuned. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Haley Coffin. Hey there. And Marty Finley. How's it going? Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week, we bring you the latest news and the sharpest opinions on this city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But before we do that, I'm going to start this show the way I always do, with a difficult question for our panel. So Marty had a story this week about a hotel that's been renovated and rebranded in the midst of this coronavirus. Uh, we're talking about the former Days Inn near U of L, which is now a Clarion Point, and it uh, it got a two million dollar renovation and and the new flag. So it got me thinking about travel, and my question to you guys is: When do you think you're going to travel next? You know, considering all the restrictions. And uh, any, uh, do you think you're going to maybe go somewhere close or, or, or something like that just because of, because of the restri- restrictions? Where do you think you're going to go? And uh, I guess I'll start with Haley on this one. Um, I don't know. I kind of don't want to get in an airplane <laughs> right now. So right. if I was going to travel somewhere, I think it'd be within driving distance. But hey, we're, we're Midwesterners, so we can practically drive anywhere. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> if you put your mind to it long enough. Um, Scott and I have been wanting to go out to Phoenix because Scott, my husband, uh, his sister lives out in Phoenix and his best friend lives out in Phoenix. So we were going to kill two birds with one stone and uh, visit them this year. But it kind of depends on uh, what the airline situation is like. It it just seems like too soon to call or even make plans for the fall. So yeah, I, yeah. I would probably suspect that we'll like, take a weekend trip to like i don't know a state park or something i don't know yeah <laughs> that's, I'm kinda that's thinking, about the most comfortable i feel this is the year i visit brown county indiana which i've heard is very Go lovely, for it. but that's where i got never married so oh is that right okay yep. i've heard it's nice i've never been there but i'm like maybe i'll just take a close to home trip uh marty how about you uh yeah uh, my wife and i we'd actually plan to do our vacation in october so maybe That'll still happen. We were going to go down to the, just kind of a low-key trip down to North Carolina, different spots there, kind of just drive around the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but that's still, you know, we the good news is we haven't booked anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had just kind of looked at October as the potential month. Uh, so, you know, that's it's not off yet, but we're still, <laughs> you know, it's too, it, like Kaylee said, it's too close to, to call. Uh, my in-laws live in Wisconsin, so I imagine it will take at least one like long weekend trip up there this year at some point. We were there at Christmas time, so we haven't been up this year yet. Uh, so I imagine once the you know the gatherings are up above ten people, we'll probably you know try to make at least one trip up there at some point later in the year. Yeah. But uh, outside of that, I mean, I don't see me getting on an airplane anytime soon. Um, yeah, it'll probably yeah. be like you said, just uh, you know maybe a weekend trip here or there where it's not very crowded you know we're not going to disney world this year so yeah yeah um so for me i uh my brother was going to get married in april and of course that got canceled uh when everything shut down and uh 
I had a flight already booked, so we got the flight refunded, and we had a five hundred dollar credit or something from Southwest for for this flight. And uh, I I don't know when I'm going to get on an airplane again. My wife is planning a trip uh, with her friend to Florida, and I was thinking about going to visit my mom in Florida, uh, but uh, but I'm still kind of like just I'm going to just wait it out, I guess, and see um, when this uh, when this thing's going to calm down. And uh, like like you guys said, I'm probably we'll probably just go somewhere close this summer, um, you know, uh, maybe a state park or something like that. But um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I have the Southwest credit, and that's good until February. So hopefully, uh, by the time next February rolls around, um, <laughs> things are calmed down enough to where I can schedule this flight and get my five hundred dollars. <laughs> so yeah, I guess we'll see. Just wrap yourself in plastic and hope for the best. Exactly. Or maybe I'll get one of those uh, scary ventilator masks. They probably wouldn't let you on a plane with that. But uh, <laughs> let's see here. Speaking of things opening up, wow. Um, as I teased at the top of the show, Kentucky and Indiana governors are reopening business. And uh, the Kentucky announcement, well, the Indiana announcement came about a week ago. Um, and he, uh, the governor of Indiana, Eric Holcomb, uh, laid out the uh, different dates and, uh, and then the Kentucky announcements, which we kind of thought nothing was going to open until June that came out yesterday. Um, and today is Friday, uh, May 8th. So it came out Thursday, May 7th. And, uh, and it was kind of a surprise. So Marty go over some key dates, I guess, in Indiana and Kentucky, if you have those handy. Yeah, so in Indiana, that, that plan was uh, laid out uh, last week. So non-essential retail, uh, including shopping malls, uh, was able to come back in a 50% capacity this week. Uh, the Green Tree Mall there in Clarksville actually reopened with a handful of stores uh, earlier this week. So we're seeing some gradual return on some of the retail in southern Indiana. And then the, um, the restaurants are supposed to open, I think, at 50% capacity uh, May 11th, as well as like salons are going to... and uh, barber shops are going to open uh, at, uh, at by appointment only, so you can't have like waiting rooms or anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, of course, Kentucky had laid out some really uh, uh, early plans before that. Um, you're going to see like horse racing come back with those spectators next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, construction and, ma- and uh, manufacturing, the non-essential uh, elements of that are coming back. Uh, but we were kind of still waiting on restaurants and movie theaters, stuff like that. Um, you know, Jim's um, actually Bashir had mentioned that he thought restaurants would be in phase two, but it would be in June. So that's kind of what we were all planning for. I think restaurants included. Uh, GLI come out this week, say, you know, kind of criticizing the disjointedness between the two plans, but also had been really urging Bashir uh, mid midweek uh, to really come up with a plan uh, for all for the reopening, get the dates out sooner. And was really pushing to get childcare back in some capacity because their argument was, you know, a lot of these people can't go back to work if they don't have any form of childcare. So a lot right. of these industries will be still be sort of crippled if they can't get their workers back. Um, and it's kind of hard to some of these industries you can't really take your kid to work, so um, it's it was be tough. So they had been pushing him uh, this week pretty hard to uh, to kind of come up with some dates and and come out sooner. So I don't know if that had any impact or not, but you know we thought. The news would come out today, actually, around 5, uh, but it, it got pushed up a day early. So, you know, mm. now restaurants are actually coming back May 22nd, so a little bit, uh, about 11 days after 
they're coming back in Indiana, but they're coming back at 33% capacity. So about a third of the, uh, yeah. of the normal capacity Indiana's 50 and Kentucky State. Indiana's 50. And of course those will scale up over time. We don't know. Uh, Indiana kind of give a little bit of idea how it would scale up the restaurants. Uh, Bashir hasn't released that info that he may release more details on that today or next week, but he hasn't yet. Uh, but that was really shocking because I think everyone and Haley could probably talk about it more because she talks for the restaurant owners, but I think most people had just reserved themselves to it being June before we'd get any right. dine in. Yeah. Yeah. I so from there, yeah. So from there it goes, it jumps to June, June 1st. You're looking at, uh, movie theaters and gyms coming back. We don't know what the capacity is going to be yet. He just said it would be limited. And then campgrounds actually are going to open June 11th, uh, public and private. Uh, what he said about that was he feels like people have shown they can, they can quarantine and, and, and do this healthy at home initiative. So he hopes they can just sort of roll that over into campgrounds uh, and social mm-hmm. distance. And then uh, the last date we saw was June 15th. And that's actually, uh, he said he's working on a plan that he'll release at a later date on childcare. He did say it would be much, it would be a very low capacity, uh, more, less children per room because it's really hard to social distance in a daycare. My wife works in daycare and she could, tell you how hard it is to social distance in one of these facilities and uh, same as in schools and stuff. So, and then he also said he's hoping to bring back outdoor youth sports, but he's also working on that plan. So that'd be June 15th. So that's what we're seeing now is he's kind of rolled out some plans through mid June at this point. Yeah. Now Holcomb's gone a little farther. I remember him saying, um, um, Everything's back to normal by July fourth. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, being most most everything is at, <laughs> at or near full capacity by July fourth. He's even talking about having the Indiana State Fair this year. This, oh wow! We don't, hmm. Kentucky State Fair is going to make a decision in June on whether to yeah. postpone or cancel or yeah. try to do it at the at the normal dates. Now, Haley, this just came out last night. But have you talked to any restaurant people? I haven't talked to any restaurant people yet. We're recording this at eight thirty in the morning, so. <laughs> Not sure how many folks are awake, especially if they have later hours. <laughs> but uh, that's true. Restaurant people don't call them before eleven. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, planning oh. to reach out to a lot of them this morning after we hop off this podcast. Um, but I, I've been talking with restaurant owners prior to the news coming out yesterday, just on like how they're feeling about maybe having to wait until June to reopen their dining rooms. And the whole thing with them was like they need a date they don't like they don't have a certain date to work towards or like manage their money towards like they just wanted that plan in place so that they can mm-hmm. like make adjustments as needed to make it to that point um so that was the biggest complaint that i heard and um i was speaking with chad coulter who owns luvino and biscuit belly and luvino has locations in indiana ohio and kentucky um mm-hmm. Biscuit Belly is just in Louisville for right now, but he was just saying that it didn't seem like we were adjusting our timelines appropriately with like new data coming out, and he <clears throat> he really wished that he he was in that same boat of like there's just so much uncertainty of how much longer this is gonna last. Um, we're only able to make about you know a third of what we would normally make during this time and missing out on Derby was a huge hit for restaurants too. So, um, they've just been anxious <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, about how much longer they can last in such a limited, not a limited capacity, but limited service options curbside. Right. 
Some aren't even utilizing delivery because they don't want to use those third-party delivery services and um, they don't have the insurance in place to have their own delivery drivers. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard it was something like $1,000 to insure one driver. Um, And so a lot of them don't have that kind of cash liquidity right now. So Mm -hmm. uh, they've really been, you know, coming up with inventive ways to come up with any kind of revenue during this time, but they really needed an end date, like some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I think that does. um, I mean, if I were in the phase that they were, which is planning, you know, that would help a lot. So they got that now. I think that's what GLI was arguing too, is we just need some direction. We need to know, you know, we need we need advanced planning. Basically, we don't need to know three days before we have to open. We need to, mm-hmm. we have, we need to have some runway, and, and be able to start you know ramping up uh, ahead of time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you guys missed my story yesterday, I actually talked um, with an Indiana retailer who was kind of um, miffed about Indiana's quick reopening plan. Like they announced the reopening plan on Friday and. Some retailers were open on Monday and he's like, I didn't feel like I had enough time to prepare and like adequately train my staff with such a turnaround time. Um, So it's kind of varied. I'm sure restaurants having this much runway to kind of prepare will be prepared, but they're they're better prepared than most businesses because they've already been doing some of these sanitizing uh, safety measures because they have to like for health codes and stuff. So they might yeah, be better prepared yeah. than retailers are to come back. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole that other issue. You talk to, by the way, just to uh, give them a shout out. Yeah. Uh, it was Ben Byrne. He owns Dada Boutique in, uh, New Albany, Indiana and Corridon. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right. So I read a story in the New York times today and, it was kind of talking about this is going on all over the world, this reopening, and it's going differently in different places. Uh, Lithuania, for instance, is reopening restaurants, but they can only serve people outdoors. Um, other places like, you know, uh, like Texas and, 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 and states here are kind of letting people come back in more capacity. Um, an interesting one I saw uh, schools in Denmark. They're allowing younger children who may be less contagious to come back to school. In Germany, they're allowing older children who are better at following directions to come back to school. Uh, so it's like this big grand experiment uh, was the point that the New York Times was making. Um, and it's taking place all over the world. But the uh, the outcome could be potentially very grim, and that's that you know a lot more people die. Uh, so I guess uh, how are you guys feeling about opening up, you know, considering that there's that uncertainty. I, Marty, I remember you saying you were looking forward to getting back to the gym. Do you think you're going to go back to the gym when it opens up? No. Uh, uh, I'll start well, with you on that. Well, you know, for me, you know, I'd love to go back to the gym and I'm probably dumb enough to do, if it was just me, I'd probably do it <laughs> because, you know, uh, but I, my wife is, is top two diabetic, so she's considered in the high risk category. So I've been mm-hmm. really trying to keep her in, in, indoors, but also trying to limit my, uh, you know, Exposed, contacts yeah. outside. I've been wearing a mask for over a month. Well, well before <laughs> Governor Bashir or any other governor asked me to, I think the federal government, and the CDC, a little over a month ago said it would be g- really good if you wear a mask. So I've been wearing the mask ever since the CDC said to wear one. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I'm trying to limit my trips to just like getting medicine or getting uh, getting food, uh, groceries. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, I, I just don't see it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got two young kids, which I think, you know, they're probably pretty well resistant to it uh, for the most part. But, you know, uh, with my wife's high risk category, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wait till it gets warmer. I know that, I know this uh, disease is, is somewhat, uh, you know, will be potentially dormant in the summer because of the, you know, it's, it's, it's weak, it's weak to heat is what I understand. So mm-hmm. sort of like the flu. Yeah. And so, you know, once we get, you know, regular 80 to 90 to hundred degree weather, I think this thing will probably at least go dormant for a few months, but I kind of want to wait until it does that before I, you know, really reopen the doors and and hit the gym (laughs) because, you know, it's, the gym's kind of a Petri dish anyway. So yeah, yeah. It's not the the first place you want to run back to in a pandemic. So yeah, (laughs) as much as I enjoy it, I'm going to have to refrain for at least, uh, Several more weeks. At the, at the uh, sad note, have you been doing the home workouts much? Is, is, is yeah, good? I've been pretty much daily workouts, uh, just yeah. to kind of keeping the groove and keep myself accountable. So I'm trying to. I got lazy a few days here and there, but I've been trying to do the home workouts. Um, they're not uh, as good. I just, don't know why. Just I'm not as focused at home. But yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, um, uh, let's see. Uh, Haley, how about how about you? How do you feel about all this? I'll send you guys some good home workouts. <laughs> I, I found some good ones. I live in an apartment, so I had to get some low impact workouts. Yeah. So I wouldn't be doing jumping jacks and disturbing my neighbors. But yeah. anyways, <laughs> um, how I'm feeling about reopening. Um, I would be feeling a lot better if people were actually doing what they were told to do. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to sound like mean or... Uh, judgy but like no one's wearing masks <laughs> no one's like staying away from me in the supermarket like i i feel so much anxiety walking into the grocery store now because i think i'm in a very small minority of people that are wearing masks like me and the meyer workers are the ones wearing masks yeah <laughs> and uh i mean there's a couple of people especially like older people i think are wearing masks but I see I see my peers out there just like walking around like this is a normal day. Um, I made the mistake of making my weekly shopping trip to Target because I needed something specifically only Target sells. And I went to Target and it was so packed, like tons of people everywhere, not very many people wearing masks, everybody just kind of like clamoring over each other in the dollar aisle. I'm mm-hmm. like, are we is this not a pandemic? Like, what are people thinking? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I would, I would be comfortable with like the reopening plans if people were actually like wearing their masks, washing their hands, the staying rules. away from. Yeah. yeah. I, I just need some more like rule following citizens <laughs> yeah. to make me feel a little more comfortable. Yeah. Um. I tell you, I haven't gone to any stores. I went to Home Depot one time, and um. And it did. It wasn't people falling all over each other. Now, granted, I went early, but um, they had a line. You know, they had employees standing there saying no, only one at a time. My wife tried to go there, uh, and she had to wait outside the store until they had people clear out. Um, and it, and like workers were wearing masks, and um, I felt like they did a really good job. Like they were following the rules, um, and that may be because initially they. Where they were getting in a little trouble with uh, Bashir, and Bashir had threatened, threatened to shut them down. I think, um, not specifically Home Depot, but large hardware stores. Um, and then, uh, and then I really hadn't gone to any other places. 
I uh, I use grocery pickup, and I I have asthma, so I'm like I'm staying well away from this thing. <laughs> so I, I've used grocery pickup. I've used uh, uh, delivery services uh, to get you know takeout food or uh, even liquor barn. Uh, I'll give them a shout out. Um, they have a delivery service if you're if you're needing to stock up. Um, and, uh, you know, I've kind of been staying out of the crowds and I do notice like for me, some people in my neighborhood, like walking around the neighborhood wearing masks, which I don't think is necessary. Um, but maybe they're in a higher risk category and that's why they're uh, doing that. Um, I, I kind of think like if you're outside, as long as you're social distancing, it's okay not to wear a mask. But, um, but I can, definitely, if I were to go into a grocery store, uh, I would, I would be wearing one as well. Uh, uh, let's go, go on. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, just, uh, to Haley's point, I, I agree with her on the, uh, lack of falling rules. I have noticed an uptick in masks. I shop at Aldi and Kroger primarily, especially mm-hmm. at Aldi. I see like more people wearing masks, but the one thing I've really noticed is that a lot of people wearing masks, they don't social distance at all. Oh, uh, really? So they think the mask they'll, protects them. They'll close the gap on you and you'll, they'll be like right on top of you and before you realize it. And which kind of defeats the purpose. If you know, if you're not socially distancing, then the, the mask isn't going to help me or you very much. So yeah, yeah. So that's and, one thing. I don't know. I think it builds. I think it builds a false sense of security for some people, and they're just like, "Oh, I can, I can just do whatever because I'm wearing a mask." So. Yeah, yeah. To Marty's point, uh, we both live in Indiana, so if that tells you anything, uh, maybe I don't think Kentuckians are doing a better job following rules. Okay. I think maybe I'm just. I'm not out there as much as you guys. Um, for, for some reason, I feel like uh, <laughs> with Governor Bashir's like prodding of everyone to follow the rules, that people are more uh, rule rule abiding in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> well, he's, yeah. he's he's like he's convinced me. I'm following his rules in Indiana. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, yeah I, I think not it's the rest funny. of Indiana, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marty, you said your wife watches uh, Andy Bashir, uh, even though you guys live in. So I think that's funny. That she, actually, that. she actually once said that we're, she feels like she's cheating on our governor. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. So, uh, so one point I want to make, and people have praised Andy Bashir a lot, but he's not following the federal guidelines either. Um, it seems like, you know, the feds came out with this plan these benchmarks that states had to meet in order to open up and one of them was a 14 day decline in the number of cases and the dramatic ramp up of, of testing and widely available ppp and uh we, we are not in any decline i mean we just had our highest day total a few days ago um so and and it's the point that he makes is that it's plateaued um which i think i think he's probably right about that but um but we're not definitely not going down. And I don't think Indiana's going down either. They were for a few days, but then they just had another spike um, yesterday, I think. Uh, so I guess, how do you feel about governors like pretty much ignoring this? You know, the feds come out with this advice. And it's not like the feds are doing a good job having no, people I was gonna follow say, the advice. They, they come out with the advice, and then everyone just collectively ignores the advice, apparently. Uh, or the, it's not even advice, it's guidelines, but um, it seems like everyone's pretty much ignoring it. Uh, so how do you guys feel about that? I mean, do you feel like we should actually wait the 14 days? I feel like the governors are under a lot of pressure right now from, like, not just the citizens, like, people, 
but from business owners, like the business community as a whole is like, we're really struggling and we don't know if we're going to survive, you know, yeah. all of these. I think that's it. I think, I think that's why they're doing it because they don't want to see businesses closed. They don't want to see more jobs lost. And so yeah. I feel like they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I, I feel like you can't, you can't really compare, you know, the loss of life and the loss of a business <laughs> like those the loss of a life is of course tremendous and the loss of a business uh you know can derail someone's career but like the people who are trying to say well if a thousand more people die is it worth it for us to reopen i don't i don't think they can answer that um i feel like they don't have you know a good way of you know navigating this so i i don't envy them at all and i don't I don't think they're making bad decisions, but I don't, I don't know how they could do better <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would go ahead. Um, you know, Haley hit on some of my points, but what you're also looking at is I think Bashir and other governors are looking at a pretty grim financial reality uh, because of the loss of tax revenue. And right. uh, we've heard that we've heard that, you know, Kentucky's uh, shortfall could be 500 million just this fiscal year. You're not looking next year, um, so that's a pretty big hole. Uh, and you know, he's cities in the hole about 115, 125 million. So uh, these are really huge numbers that they don't have the tax revenue to make up for because things are still shut down. And there's mm -hmm. no guarantee that they're going to get federal money. I mean, I know um, Senator McConnell came out and said he's more open to to doing a package with state and uh, and local aid included, uh, but. That's kind of been on, put on hold at this point. They're, uh, they said they're kind of the Senate's going to sit back and kind of see how things worked in the first round, what worked, what didn't. So we have no idea when that, when or if that money's coming. Um, you know, Bashir was asked earlier this week, "Will you have to furlough state workers because the revenue is just not there?" You know, he said, "Obviously, we want to avoid that because all that would do is kind of ensure a recession. If you're laying off state workers, then it just sends a really bad message that." about the economy. So I think he's looking at that, you know, you're seeing intense uh, increased pressure from uh, GLI and other trade organizations. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it, there's a lot, you know, even he even said yesterday that, that he called the open reopening restaurants a compromise. So um, yeah. you're looking at him, you know, he was asked about the, you know, not hitting the benchmarks a couple of days ago. And it really just looks like the goalposts have moved even for the federal government. I mean, they're not, they're not. They're sending a lot of mixed messages at the federal level about those guidelines. So I mm. think that's why people are sort of like thumbing their nose at them at the for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I think you're right. But one thing I could say, I mean, I don't, I don't still probably haven't hit the numbers they need to, but you know, testing has ramped up tremendously in just the last two weeks in Kentucky. It's expected um, it's to go up more in the next two weeks. Yeah, too, so. and it's going to go up even more. And they're also getting around to finally like uh, hiring hundreds of workers. They're still in the process of doing that to do contract tracing. So mm -hmm. that was another thing that uh, Indiana and Kentucky said they need to be able to do, which is, you know, tracing yeah. the contacts for those that who was were part of the federal tested bench. positives. So the one thing that really no one is doing is the 14-day decline. But I think also there's a reality that that may not come for months. You know, we don't know when that decline yeah. is going to happen and can stay there. And I think people are starting to realize that and sort of kind of said moving moving the goalpost a little bit on that one. So Yeah, well, I think with increased Sorry, I was just going to say with increased cases or increased testing, there's of course going to be increased cases. And so a lot of the restaurant owners I talked to said, 
you know, we can't let that be our metric as we're ramping up testing and having more cases. We can't, Mm -hmm. we can't say that, uh, that's what's restricting us from opening again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and one, uh, Kentucky had 600 plus cases just a few days ago, but, uh, 309 of those came from one prison. So it's Mm -hmm. like, because they tested an entire prison because they had an outbreak Green River Correctional in Muhlenberg County. And, he said, you know, the number's artificially high because we tested everyone in that facility and 300 people came back positive. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's another challenge. If you've got nursing homes or these large populations um, that are really kind of sequestered and really close to one another, you're going to see more positive cases, as Haley noted, as you test more. Yeah. Um, I think it was the Courier Journal reported and asked him about why are we not why are we ignoring the fourteen day decline rule? It was WFPL um, actually. Oh, it was FPL. Okay, it was FPL. Um, yeah. And his answer I thought was interesting. The first thing he said, I believe, was, "Well, we didn't know we were going to be plateaued for three weeks." You know, <laughs> so I think that that speaks to what you were saying—the goalpost move. You know that it—it's it, like. Uh, you know, at at some point they just they can't afford to keep it shut down anymore. And uh, you know, obviously the state only has so much money to to put towards unemployment. And yeah, exactly. Uh, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So I mean, I, I get I can I can see it. It's like Haley said. You know, uh, I don't envy them for having to make that decision. So uh, it is uh, it is a difficult one. Um, and the New York Times story I was referencing earlier. Um. You know, this is happening around the world. They're reopening things. But I think the difference here is that our testing isn't where the rest of the world's is. Uh, a lot of countries are doing much better than us as far as per capita testing. So really hope to see that ramp up, um, hopefully, as more more tests become available. And, they, and like you said, they have. It's not like we, we're sitting on the same number of tests. But um, I think we're well short of what we should be doing on that front. Um Let's see. Uh, this is a fun one. Uh, I remember when we shut down on March 12th, uh, Lisa Benson, our publisher, asked me, hey, do you think you could record something for me in the studio on March 26th? And I remember thinking at the time, oh, yeah, we'll be back by March 26th. Whatever. Sure, I'll <laughs> record that for you. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, that eventually got canceled. We never did that. But uh, when? So my question is, like, how long did you guys think we were going to be shut down when we shut down back in mid early March? And Haley, I'll start with you. Um, I, I don't really know. I just remember like the restaurant closure happening was that March 17th or March 16th when that was announced. And yeah. I just remember talking to people all day long, just like, I don't, we can't survive a month being closed we can maybe survive two weeks but if you approach a month like i don't think we can do it and here we are you know almost two two months months, yeah yeah two two months later and you know they are they're surviving they're definitely not thriving in this environment but i yeah i i remember thinking like surely not a month i remember them saying i'm like surely not a month a month that would be crazy (laughs) yeah a month would be just insane and here we are on week seven or week eight i don't remember how many weeks it's been week week 47 yes Yes. march 34th (laughs) (laughs) exactly uh marty how about you did you think two weeks so you know i think i was had when i when it first started i was kind of the same way with Haley. like 
you know, the economy can't shut down for a month. That's insane. Uh, you know, the whole country will go belly up. So I've been somewhat impressed by how resilient we've been as a nation, at least yeah. in, in the business sector. I, you know, people, a lot of people have gotten creative and pivoted, you know, uh, as they need to. So that was kind of impressive. But I think it was when the CDC, pretty early on, it was probably before the end of March, they came out and said, you know, we don't want to see any gatherings above 10 people until May 15th. And I was like, oh, okay, so we're we're going to be hunkered down at least until May 15th. Mm-hmm. And if that gets extended at all, we're going into June. So I think for a while now I've said, oh, this is going into June at least. And I've sort of, yeah. it's been, by thinking that, I think a lot of people didn't think that far ahead. And it's kind of given me a little bit of uh, comfort because I'm like, well, I know it's going into June. So I'm, I can kind of just, you know, kind of embrace it for now and, and not have to worry about when are we going to reopen. So yeah, for me, sort of setting that deadline based on what I was hearing from the CDC, I, it's made me, um, I guess, less um, frustrated by, by it all. So Yeah, the CDC did say early on, I think they said eight weeks, which in mid-March would have been mid-May, so. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, man, we were running long on this podcast. We have another topic to go. We're going to very quickly touch on this one because we've got a meeting coming up at 930, and I want to give you guys time to take a break before that. Um, let's see here. Uh, some of the top uh, big restaurant chains here in Louisville reported their earnings uh, in the last couple of weeks. Yum Brands, Papa John's, and Texas Roadhouse. Uh, so Haley, just give us a quick roundup. You know, what are some of the big guys saying here? Uh, they're saying that first quarter, uh, international sales were more impacted, but the second quarter is going to be more impacted by North American sales. Sure. Um, especially for Texas Roadhouse and Yum Brands that has seen kind of the brunt of dining room closures. Um, you would think Yum Brands is kind of more equipped for the drive through. Um, right. Model like, who goes into KFC and eats there, you know? Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not sure, but they have had um, some declines worldwide just on comparable sales and that type of thing over the past couple of months. But they, um, they're essentially saying that second, the second quarter is going to be more impacted by that because it starts. The second quarter started in April, so it'll be April, May, and June. Um, yeah. Um, or going into June. So I I think that's just going to be the biggest thing is they've, all of them have withdrawn their guidance because they just don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) what, what it's going to look like. And so uh, I think they're hoping for the best in terms of the economy reopening in different States. Yeah. Now Papa John's has been the opposite story, right? So they've been seeing they're, they're doing good business because people are ordering more delivery. So Papa John's had a decent first quarter, um, but that really wasn't the big news um, that came out of their earnings call on Wednesday. Was that Wednesday? Yeah, this week? I think so. I, think, yeah, was, I don't even know what day week. it is anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this week. It's Friday, thank um, God. <laughs> yeah, they had a huge increase in comparable sales in May. They said it was the best in their company's 35-year history. Um, and then they netted uh, a million new customers in April and like adding to their 16 million customers worldwide or something like that. So they had a stellar April and um, just because they're capitalizing on their uh, model of carry out and delivery only they don't, they don't have dine-in sales at uh, many of their restaurants um, or mm-hmm. any of their restaurants. I think some of them have like tables that you can wait at and yeah, uh, eat at if you want to. But... Yeah. 
Yeah, but people didn't go to Papa John's to eat at Papa John's. People order Papa John's to eat at home. So they've really uh, been able to um, lean into that and just say, look at how good we are (laughs) in this, um, as as opposed to people who are trying to do it for the first time. Yeah. Fun fact, I'm old enough to remember when Pizza Hut uh, had dining in and served beer. I don't know if they do that anymore. Same here. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a big deal. Uh, Marty, you were about to say something. Yeah, I was gonna say early on in this when when we realized this restaurants were shutting down, I told my wife that Papa John's was built for this, that they yeah. were gonna just thrive because they don't have dine in anyway, so it, it's not yeah, really gonna yeah, affect them yeah. at all. So, uh, and that's been their message too that they're they're the experts on delivery. Um, so did you guys use uh, a lot of the food aggregator delivery services? Uh, before this crisis, or have you adopted those since? I'm talking about DoorDash, Grubhub, Postmates. Um, are you guys using those now? Haley, start with you. Uh, so my husband is against delivery on all levels. We do carry out only. Uh, he hmm. he doesn't want to pay for the convenience of delivery. Uh, okay. and some... I was like, what is it a political thing? Or... No, no, no. <laughs> I just some of those. DoorDash, Postmates, those types of things charge more per menu item. And then you have to tip the delivery driver. And I feel like maybe not all of that money is going back to the restaurant that you're patroning because (laughs) because I think some of those services take up to like 20% fees from each order. And I just don't want to be in that game myself. And Scott doesn't like paying for extra delivery so we always we go the takeout carry out route <laughs> yeah um well you do got to pay the drivers so i can yep. see some of it not going to the um to the restaurant that and that's fair but um you know you're right i mean they there's a lot of restaurants had like i mean i used all these services before and some places had like ten dollar delivery fees and i'm like why the hell would i pay ten dollars Plus, like tipping the driver, you know, uh, and, and you're probably jacking up your menu prices. Like, you, they made it totally not worth it to use those services for some places. There was a couple yeah. of places that that made good use of it. I thought. Um, I, I was, I was like Haley and her husband for a while. I was sort of anti-delivery, especially through like the aggregators. I, yeah. If I did delivery, I would go like directly through the company's website. But uh, since this started, I'm not spending much money, so I've been more open to paying these fees um yeah yeah so i've I've been using doordash contactless delivery for a a while now and i love it so i see myself using this at least a little bit after this is over um doordash is my favorite we used Grubhub and postmates too but uh, for us it seems like doordash is just the best option plus uh their fees aren't too bad depending on the restaurant but it's like a sometimes it's only like two or three dollars uh for their fee and then you you know you got to tip the driver but i don't mind doing that because like i said i'm and they are bringing me my food and not and not exposing me at the same time they're just setting it at my door and ringing the doorbell yeah how do you tip them do you leave like stuck in your door i tip i tip them through i tip them through the app okay that's how i've been uh, leaving tips too when i order online for carryout i just add the tip on online because i don't know if some places take cash during a pandemic i wouldn't yeah, want well, to touch money i'm i'm always that guy that's like behind a little bit behind on every technological advance so i had been anti like grubhub for a while but i've kind of embraced it at this point i use it i like i used it there's a couple um 
restaurants around me that like made good use of it. They didn't jack up their prices too much. They didn't add too much of a delivery fee and it was worth it. Um, but like I said, there was those other ones that was like, you know, a $10 delivery fee. I'm like, I'm not going to pay that. Come on. <laughs> Why would anyone pay that? Um, but I think now it's kind of become a lifeline for a lot of businesses. Um, I do love contact deli- contactless delivery. Let's hope that sticks around afterwards. It's the only way uh, to go. I know, man. It's awesome. Somebody just leaves food. And then I always like I open the door and I like wave at them and they wave back. And it's just it's nice. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. What's uh, what's a restaurant you guys have been hitting up? You think that have been has been really crushing the takeout uh, scene lately? Any any shout outs you want to give there? Um, I just wanted to say uh, my mom's favorite restaurant to eat out at is Texas Roadhouse. Uh, and so she, we met up for Mother's Day uh, last weekend because she um, worked on Mother's Day weekend. And I bought her Texas Roadhouse carryout. And it was um, maybe a 10 minute wait. Like I placed the order online, drove to my little parking spot. And they just like brought it right out to me. Like mm-hmm. it was super fast, super efficient. And like Texas Roadhouse wasn't built for to go or curbside ordering. And they've really been killing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marty, how about you? You said you went to Parlor the other day, right? Yeah. So if you're mayor Parlor's right there at the end of the big four bridge or the, yeah, the big four uh, pedestrian yeah. walking bridge. Um, and so I hadn't been there in a while and I'd heard some mixed reviews from coworkers. But I said, mm-hmm. hey, let's give it a shot. Let's do the contact with delivery. I got that on Saturday. It was really, really good. Uh, probably the, some of the best pizza I've had from Parlor. Uh, so I was happy mm-hmm. about that. Uh, another place, I didn't. they don't do delivery, but it's a little a kind of hole-in-the-wall top place called Mazda in Jeffersonville. Uh, our editor is a big fan of that place as well. Um, mm-hmm. We ordered we ordered carry out there a few weeks ago, and they had a really good social distance set up. So when you got there, you called. You had to. You, you, they would only take one customer at a time. And everyone was wearing masks, so I felt like they were really uh, doing a good job of, uh, you know, giving people their food, but doing it in a very safe manner. So I give them a shout yeah. out on that. Yeah, uh, I've been hitting a lot of places. I'll uh, I'll give a shout out to Mango's Mexican Restaurant, um, kind of in the J Town area, or I guess it's kind of St. Matthew's area. Um, they did uh, they did some good good delivery, and you can get those. Uh, uh what is it takeaway margaritas uh so uh, <laughs> um so that's always a plus and and I, I think we've been talking about those too much on this show so i won't go into that but um <laughs> let's see here uh, we're gonna wrap it up there uh before we sign off you guys want to share your social media handles um marty i'm gonna start with you yeah you can find me primarily on twitter and linkedin i'm at bf Lou marty on twitter and uh, just under my name on LinkedIn. So if you've got a Telper uh, story idea or just want to ask me about something, I get those questions on Twitter a lot. So mm-hmm. feel free to do gotcha. so. Gotcha. Haley, how about you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Haley. I'm on LinkedIn, but like I'm even less active on there now <laughs> that we've <laughs> yeah. been working from home. Um, but yeah, feel free to connect with me on there and uh, send me story ideas for you know, small businesses that are really, you know, persevering. I think those are the best stories we can tell right now. All right. And you can find me at uh, BF Lou David on Twitter. 
or on Instagram at dman3001. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the Access Louisville podcast on popular podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Radio Public. Uh, Reviews are also welcome if you have those. Uh, Thank you very much, Haley, and thank you, Marty, and uh, thank you guys for listening at home.